0: afternoon good evening good everything um hi everyone it's rafael tamayo manager of the oak cliff cultural center i am here with our full staff we are fully staffed now i'm gonna let our staff introduce themselves
1: okay hi everyone this is monica
2: hey everyone this is iris Bechtel.
0: You all know Monica. She's been, um, you know, in the first few episodes. But Iris Bechtel is our new gallery coordinator. She's going to oversee the exhibit calendar here at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center and then the majority of the visual arts programming. But, is, you know, she came in swinging. She was ready. And, um, you know, she's got a good reputation around these parts of Oak Cliff and in Dallas in general. So we were really excited to welcome her to the, the team. Um, we are an ambitious, small mighty team here um and we know that we're going to do some great things with iris on board so we're really excited and this is your first podcast first recording my first
2: podcast ever yeah ever
0: ever ever Ever. um so this will be exciting monica can be a little quiet sometimes but she can also bring up some really good questions um so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out i'm
1: here for the people
0: (laughs) so and the people love it so thank you um (laughs) Yes, this is Frequencies, an OC3 podcast. The Oak Cliff Cultural Center is a division of the City of Dallas Department of Arts and Culture. We recently celebrated our 10-year anniversary, even though we are in our 11th year of operation. Um, We were originally at the Ice House Cultural Center. The city did some you know, moving around. Um, That building was being rented. They ended up purchasing the property that we're at now. Um, So in 2010, August, Oak Cliff Cultural Center opened its doors, and we've seen all kinds of really cool programs come through here. We worked with some wonderful artists, organizations, and just um, collaborators across the city. And there's, you know, there's a spirit about Oak Cliff, and I think the Oak Cliff Cultural Center has done a really good job of trying to embody that with our programming, with the exhibits that have come through here um, and with some of the special events that we have done. So uh, if you haven't done so already, make sure you visit our website at occc.dallasculture.org. Find us and follow us on social media. We're at Oak Cliff Cultural Center everywhere except for Twitter. On Twitter, we're at Oak Cliff Culture. Um, and with all of those wonderful introductions, um, I'm excited about this because I know the photographer that we, uh, whose, whose work we're featuring right now because he's been... Um, doing some things here in oak cliff for some time even though he's from fort worth Um, marine park is the exhibit that is in our gallery right now and you have until october 15th to check it out um but without further ado we'll let the photographer introduce himself mr raul rodriguez what's up man hey how's it going uh raul you know like you said i'm from fort worth
3: i love the oc3 i've been coming here for several years now um and yeah, I look forward to what you guys and gals continue to bring to the to the table and, you know, to the to the center.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, one, there's you're always fairly calm, <laughs> fairly yes. cool, you know, <laughs> even though sometimes I feel like we've had some very spirited convers or spirited in the content of what we're discussing right but um you always have like this calming energy where i feel like i could talk about the end of the world with you and it'll just be (laughs) (laughs) so yeah welcome (laughs) welcome to to oc3 it's one of many welcomes that we've you know opened our doors for you and i'm excited specifically but um i'm gonna step back because i feel like monica and iris have prepared some pretty good questions and i'm excited to kind of see where the conversation goes so um so get out So get out (laughs) of here, get out of here, Rafa. Yeah, I'll hand it off to Iris, who is, you know, our new gallery coordinator. But um, yeah, we can kind of kick off the the conversation with Raul here. What do you say, Iris?
2: Yeah, let's do it. So um, we'll ask you some more art related questions here in a bit. But I'm really curious how long you've been skateboarding. This show is about skateboarding. Mm -hmm. How long have you been skateboarding?
3: Um, I've been skating for like 15, maybe 17 years started when I was like 15 years old Mm -hmm. um so yeah I would say like you know well over a decade and uh I mean it all started with like a cousin or whatever like he really introduced me to skateboarding and I think when you first see something like that kind of like photography you know it's just something so magical so whenever you start to see the board kind of flip and do stuff and then like the guy like land on it again I think it just kind of blew blew my mind like almost immediately yeah. Um, and so I was just like kind of intrigued from the beginning. He put me on a skateboard and then we just kind of started to to skate a little bit. And then, you know, um, I lived in Fort Worth and he lived in Houston. So it was only a matter of just like, you know, sending me off with a skateboard. And then we would see each other every summer. And so every summer we would just kind of like show each other the tricks that we learned mm-hmm. like the past year. So, yeah, it was a uh, it was kind of competitive, but it was fun, you know.
1: Oh, this reminds me of the conversation that we had with uh, Ray and uh, Atsiel about hip hop because of like the competitive nature. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of reminds me a little. Sorry. Just yeah. Thought in my head. But um, what do you think? I know that you mentioned um, in a previous conversation that you were looking at Latino or like Chicano culture within skateboarding. Um, so you've been skateboarding for a while. What drew you to that specific, you know, aspect of it?
3: I think like my interest in sort of merging or bridging this culture of skateboarding that is sort of, you know, encompasses so much of like y- US kind of culture too, you know, kind of American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being like Latino, I think I just wanted to see that specific kind of community, you know. And it's not, I don't think it's anything that is like incredibly new it's not something that i think that i'm like revealing mm-hmm. i think we've been able to like reveal things um about how latinos and people of color have played a role in skateboarding since like you know the early 90s even before that um but i think i wanted to just sort of i think put it out there from my own personal viewpoint you know which is like how i grew up the uh the neighborhood and the community that i grew up and we were all we all look like like each other you know brown people Brown kids just skateboarding around like a bunch of street rats in the middle of the night. And I was just like, I want to like reminisce on that and just show kind of through my own lens, like what that looked like to me, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, one of the things that I have noticed my husband skateboards. So mm-hmm. um, I, when I, when I have gone, not that I'd go very often, <laughs> but when I've gone and watched him skate and, you know, I've seen him out there with, you know, other um, people skating what I find really wonderful about the skateboard community and uh, you don't see this in every in every sport, but it really is a community and it's a very supportive community. And it's not though there's like a competitiveness. There's also of like, oh, let me show you this trick or or, oh, you know, are you having trouble with that that trick? Let me show you how, you know, the a better way or a different way to do it or You know and you know there's you know always the the kind of like jabs at each other but always in like a really supportive loving way um so Mm -hmm. i'm really interested in like how um when you were photographing um the skateboarders at marine park what was their response to you photographing them
3: you know what let me back up a little bit because i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna correct you Uh you called it a sport and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you what we all say it's a lifestyle it's a
2: lifestyle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely yes. like, you know, T-shirts and stickers and a type of clothing that you wear and a type of hair. <laughs> it's a bed.
3: culture. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a culture. culture you know? Skater die, man. I know. Right? I just, you know, and I'm, I'm joking, but, you know, I think that says something about the community of skateboarding, right? Like, you know, you can call it a sport, but at, at the end of the day, I think for a lot of people, it is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is the sort of thing that defines them um, the things that they're interested in and, and the things that they do with their lives. Um, but I, you know, whenever I was out there photographing, um, the kind of kids that, that I wanted to capture and the kind of skaters that I wanted to capture, it was, uh, it was a little bit nerve wracking at first, cause I didn't know how to introduce that. And I didn't, I think the, the steps are never to introduce it immediately. And I think as a photographer, um, specifically like as an like when you're an artist but if your medium is photography like the way you approach people and um the way that you introduce right like your medium is really important and it's like always you always have to sort of make sure that you're not coming on too strong yeah you know and mm-hmm. that's i think it's that's a relationship yeah, yeah exactly you know it's the relationship and the connection that you make beforehand that i think allows you to capture the sort of real essence of of people and of places and stuff um so initially it was like a real you know like a feeling out process i Mm -hmm. i skate so i go there to skate and that was sort of my entry point right and then after a couple of sessions or a couple of weeks um, and at the same time i'm thinking about my my process too and i'm just making sure that i'm not rushing into something or i'm still trying to think through it and think about you know the kind of themes and and the kind of things that that I want to um focus on but then you know it is a matter of like okay starting to capture starting to to produce your work or make your art or take your photographs um so it turns into sort of like introducing yourself first and then introducing the camera Mm -hmm. and then continuing to to build relationships and and You know I would say make sure that the connections are genuine Mm -hmm. so the kids that I was able to capture you know got to know me um, before I even started to take pictures of them. Yeah
1: the day you were hanging up or you know you're putting at the show up I remember we had like a very um, interesting conversation because I asked you you know how do you get these what look like very candid shots or just shots that look very calm or very um, I guess serene and very natural and you had mentioned that yeah, sometimes that's interrupted or it's ruined. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I thought it was super interesting.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, it kind of goes back like in art history, there's a thing called the, the decisive moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, you know, I think has some wiggle room as far as like how accurate that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think whenever you have a camera, you know, it's like a weapon. So anything can kind of can kind of uh, ruin the, the actual nature of it, which is like to capture... And so a lot of people feel like there's a weapon out, right? Like, don't you feel like whenever you pull a camera out and put it in somebody's face? And someone's okay. like,
1: no, I don't want a picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
3: um, I mean, I just think that you have to find the right moments to, like, um, make the work. But I think you also have to sort of um, expect that a lot of that is going to be failure. A lot of it is going to be photographs that you didn't want to, that you are not satisfied with you know and so you can come back at a later time or or wait for a different kind of moment um but I think I would say that it's about like the moment you know so a lot of things can happen right a lot of like kids are skating they don't want to they don't want to pose they don't want to like stand there (laughs) for too long like he's trying to skate yeah so you have to find the right like placement to be you're on a mission yeah exactly yeah and then you know take the take the photograph and you just like I feel like, you know, when you captured something good and, you know, with digital cameras now, you can see the results immediately.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a big plus. I'm, I'm <laughs> curious, like um, on that note, like how many just off roughly off the top of your head, how many do you think you shoot for um, each series versus like how many actually get in the... <laughs> <laughs> What was so that? Sorry. That was our little Halloween track.
0: Sorry. Nice. I have a little sound effect machine, and of course it goes off when I'm trying to be extremely <laughs> quiet. I'm this b- is
1: not going to be edited out. Please yeah. keep it in. Oh, my God. So on that note. <laughs> yeah. So, so,
2: how, so how many um, do you shoot? Because I know, like, um, you know, as photographers, you it's, you know, necessary <laughs> sorry, to just... Y'all. Take a lot of photographs and then edit later. So how much you how much did you would you say you um shot? Like just roughly like hmm. how many images?
3: I don't I don't feel like I can't really like count. Hundreds or thousands? Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely over I don't think it was over a thousand maybe, but I can tell you how long I spent on the project, yeah. Um, yeah. which was like two years. Holy wow. crap. Yeah.
2: So you definitely were up in the upper hundreds of yeah, of for sure. Shots.
3: I've got folders, in and on folders, inside folders of just like the session. So I would go out and skate and mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you know, or some of the time, I wouldn't get anything. So Yeah.
1: yeah. This makes me feel better because I take <laughs> a lot of pictures here for OC3 that go up on Instagram and I'll take so many pictures and i'll find maybe like three or four of them then i'm like yes mm-hmm. those are good um and yeah. then after that i edit a little bit you know sometimes the light isn't that great or whatever um and so you saying this i'm like holy crap two years um <laughs> yeah because a lot of people think photography is just you know take a picture click yeah. done um and that's not the truth of it so can you tell us yeah. you know what that actually looks like
3: i think whenever you focus on a project um you know i guess it just also depends on what it is that you're trying to what kind of story it is that you're trying to tell you know and i think i knew that this was going to be a long sort of a dedicated um photo series um so i think once i reached a point where i thought i was kind of good with telling at least a portion of the story because to me you know um, a project like this with as much meaning as it has to to me in my own personal sort of life um, it's something that I would like to continue as well mm-hmm. so um, I think I got to a point where I was just like I'm, I'm ready to share this work you know yeah I've developed enough images and I've, I've created enough also like dialogue around it you know like mm-hmm. what the reasons are for me showing this work and, and what it means to me and you know how it is that it sort of um, told my story to So, I mean, long projects, I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of, you know, I'd like to say kind of traditional just to to be able to go out and dedicate a long time to something. Right. And not just go in and and try to capture a story like within a day, Um, something that can tell like a a bigger story, bigger, broader story. Yeah, I think I think um, shorter term projects, you know, I think you can tell in the end like that they were done on a short term.
1: Interesting. So what is the process with one picture? Like walk me through it from beginning to end for you to say this picture is done and ready mm. to show.
3: I like that question because actually whenever I was working on this project, I just had this idea in mind where where I was like, I want to finish photographs, you know? Sometimes they can just like exist in your phone and stuff. And mm-hmm. like I wanted to finish a photograph like from taking it, printing it, framing it, exhibiting it and making it like this is my photograph now you know that I can show and I can be proud of and stuff and I mean it's it's again like it's another long process too of just like editing and and re-editing and printing and doing like test prints um to make sure that you're happy with it and I think in the end you know I actually went to school for photography so Mm -hmm. I graduated from
0: UNT with a BFA um yeah. Go UNT.
3: <laughs>
4: and so I Gerardo
0: think. I, Robles, our old coordinator, would be just jumping for joy right now because he also <laughs> went to UNT and graduated <laughs> from UNT. Yeah. Just like Iris, too.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of UNT people out there that I don't think you realize until you leave school and you're just yeah. like, oh, you went to UNT, too?
2: It's a good school. Mm-hmm.
3: Especially the art program.
2: Yes, absolutely. I can vouch for many professors, Dornith.
3: Yeah oh yeah for sure I mean that's that's my biggest you know she was our our, our lead mm-hmm. our uh, program director and stuff and she's still we still talk and she's fabulous yeah, yeah it's good yeah. to keep in contact too just to just to continue to get guidance and stuff you know
2: yeah yeah we should have I should have her come out and do a visit and see your work
0: she's That'd not too busy she's very busy
2: <laughs> um I want to kind of uh go back to um kind of like what Monica was asking about, like, you know, taking you through, like, how you approach each image. And I'm curious, um, like, there are some of the photographs, and I think this is probably, you know, more than likely because of you, you spending a lot of time, you know, spending two years on this project, taking lots of images, really being thoughtful about it, and then being thoughtful about the editing, too. But there are some really, like, beautiful I mean they're all beautiful they're all wonderful but I'm drawn to particular ones and one of the um images I'm really drawn to is the photograph titled Christian mm-hmm. um oh, I love and that one. that one just blows me away one of the things that um that is to me is just really beautiful is the way that that you have captured the the line in that photograph there's like the line of christian like the way the diagonal of his body mm-hmm. and the diagonal of that crack in the pavement like kind of behind him yeah mm-hmm. it's just so spot on <laughs> and Thanks. um i'm curious um where i'm curious like if you even remember like where in in um, working on that series that photograph came was it like early on or was it like did it take a lot to get that shot because he looks totally relaxed and comfortable with you the photographer well i look
1: at it and i'm like i want to feel that way <laughs> yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah it's very serene right like yeah. you said yeah. um it's funny because that was the first image that i made really Ooh. yeah <laughs> nice so that was the image that kind of kick-started um the sort of um Series. I mean, before that, I was going in kind of already with these ideas that I want to document this place, this specific place, Marine Park Mm -hmm. and the people there and the kids who go there and the kids who I know. Um, And but I think that was the first image that I think I took, went home with and looked at and I was like, okay, now I have like something to work with. Now I have something that can like, you know, I think whenever I was inspired by it, whenever I first took it. And it just inspired the rest, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, now, now I want to keep doing this.
1: Yeah. Um. One of the big, I think, questions for people that, at least for me, when I was first starting to think about, you know, maybe doing a little bit of photography here and there, is how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about a place that, you know, you you say you go there a lot. There's so many kids there, Marine Park, um, and. A lot of us will venture out, you know, just walking downtown or anything like that. And we want to take pictures. And some of us, especially with Instagram, Facebook, all of these things, we want to do better quality, better, you know, just pictures overall. Um, If you don't have the money to kind of kickstart that, what would you recommend like starting out with if you're kind of afraid to, you know, spend that big money on a camera? Mm
3: -hmm. I mean, I think any camera works. Any camera can help you tell that story better. But yeah, you know, we live in a world where technology is so, you know, it's like our God, right? Like we just want the better phone, the better camera, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to get more and more 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 and more like expensive. Um, And I think you can look at it two ways. You can start with what you can afford and then just get better and just focus on like skills, your, Mm -hmm. you know, your own sort of um, comfortability and, and um, language or you know like your skill level and stuff it's yeah. good to start from the bottom i think from the ground up mm-hmm. and i've always kind of i think um described myself that way
2: yeah <clears throat> yeah like the camera really is just the tool right you're the yeah. artist mm-hmm. so yeah. no matter if you're working with you know a, a camera phone or a point and shoot or a disposable camera or if you have like the highest end you know digital slr it's really you the artist like you know making the work and you just have to you know know how to compose and know how to use your tools a little bit
3: yeah and it'll help you you know whatever whether you decide to go analog or with a digital camera or with polaroid like those mediums are also going to help you tell your story like Mm -hmm. you know as it kind of relates to you but in complementary fashion to how you're shooting it right yeah So
1: So for people listening that don't know about cameras, including myself, so Iris has mentioned that she uh, studied photography. Mm -hmm. And then, well, you also, and then you Mm -hmm. practice it. Could y'all tell me about, you know, what's the difference between cameras? Why is it such a big deal that, you know, what these differences are, what they do, why they're different?
2: I'll let you do it since this is about you, Raul.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I mean... I don't really know how to answer that question just because it can all, any, whether it's medium or or, or whether it's uh, analog or digital, like they all have their their special qualities. It's hard to to say if there's like a better option or, or, you know, I think it's what you fall in love with, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like whatever look you kind of fall in love with what That's is an analog?
2: Yeah, so earlier w- we were talking about this, Raul <laughs> and I, and I was saying um, before we started the podcast, you remember? And I was saying, oh, I just can't. I couldn't um, live with the color that uh, digital cameras produce because yeah. I, I came out of, you know, photography, learning photography through analog, through film. So shooting with actual film and a mm-hmm. film camera, and that includes color film. And so... You know, my thing is like digital for me, for the way that I learned and for my eye just doesn't have the saturation and the contrast that I want. I have to like really myself work harder yeah, to make that happen. And um so like, I think you're right, Raul. I think, you know, you have to fall in love. You fall in love with every whatever you fall in love with, right? Mm-hmm. And I even would almost prefer like Polaroid over digital because of the color that you can get. I mean, you know, Polaroid's kind of finicky. You, you know, you have to like really... It's another one where you have to kind of like either have a really good Polaroid camera or the, or the film or something or the better, better lighting to get, you know, to get it to really do what it, it's made to do. But um, yeah, and I don't know, like, Raul, did you um, fall in love with photography through analog, through film, or did you fall in love with it um, when you started learning the digital aspects
3: it wasn't about the medium. I think it was just about the process to yeah. me. Like, I, I think I like dedicating myself to a long sort of process and mm-hmm. to be able to tell a story, like a good story Yeah. Um, with images, you know. Mm-hmm. I, think I, I think what I'm in love with when it comes to photography is how images can talk to each other and, you know, talk to you, but ultimately is like the conversation that they're having in a room or in a book. Um, so that's what I... I think I truly like about it because it, nobody knows what you're thinking like I don't know what you're thinking when you see my work yeah and I don't yeah. know what anybody's thinking when they, when they see when they see my work but I know that you're having like an internal dialogue about what these images mean you know and what they mean to you and what they might mean yeah. to the artist and what they mean in relation to each other too. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what I love about photography. <laughs> yeah. That's super
1: interesting because when I looked at your pictures, one of the first things that I noticed, so it is Hispanic Heritage Month and, you know, your exhibit is up in the gallery. And one of the most beautiful things that I saw is how skin color was captured. I mean, it, it really pops and it's beautiful, like beautifully done. And so how do you ensure that, You know when you photograph people of color or especially in this um specific exhibit it was latinos chicano culture make sure to do it justice if you will or how do you how does that process look to make sure that that
3: pops i think just like just editing just making sure that you're that you're editing the way that you want um i think it's just really hard to capture skin color Mm -hmm. um in general like the right skin tone of somebody right because it all depends on light too like what kind of light that what kind of light they're in is it sunlight is it fluorescent is it dark um so some images i know that i struggled with um getting the right color so that maybe those took a little bit longer to to get you know accurate and to my liking too also the the printer or the printer the printing paper that you're using like everything plays such a role it can be very very tedious Mm. um and so yeah it's always it's always a little bit difficult you know it's kind of like a painter being in their studio like trying to get their color right you know mixing paints and stuff i think that's ultimately what we do too but we do it like you know thank god on like a computer (laughs) yeah
2: yeah. so do you use use lightroom or or photoshop yeah photoshop
3: bridge yeah um lightroom capture one but yeah you know for other things to like work and stuff but yeah i think mainly my my process is like bridge and then photoshop and then you know to the printer mm-hmm. yeah.
2: did um ha- have any of the um the individuals that you uh photographed that are in this ex- exhibition have have any of them seen the work did they come to the show
3: yeah they did they came to it at the lcc mm-hmm. um some of the some of my friends who were in it too so i remember that that night we were just having fun like they were just like wow i'm like in a picture in this this gallery you know be so cool yeah it was it was hilarious and um the picture with like my friend brian doing like a little hand gesture like we were taking pictures of him doing it you know next to the picture (laughs) it was so meta yeah but you know we were just having fun and that's what i like because like these you know I think the accessibility to like art is, can be so limit, limited to a lot of our communities and stuff too. So yeah. it's always nice to to welcome them in, mm-hmm. you know, look, I took a picture of you, like it's in this show, like it's, it's kind of a thing, yeah. come out and see it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm always like joyful whenever, you know, the people who I interact with and the people who are, who are my, my subjects can come mm-hmm. out and see like what I've made and, you know, we can both sort of take from it.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned you know accessibility and having the space to to showcase and for people to come in and see it um and i know we've talked about this before um in a previous conversation conversation that you and i had um but could you tell us about the role that public spaces have played in your career as a photographer or as an artist um and you being able to share with the community?
3: Yeah, I think it's just something that I always come back to. Like it's, you know, I think um, I think that's something that I value. And I think just recently I've been able to kind of uh, admit that or, or came to that realization that, wow, this is something that I value is like being connected to community. You know, my work is about community. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be very, I think, disin- it would be not like me and it would be disingenuous for me to like make work about, you know, kids skater kids who, who i kind of came up with or, or know personally and then take that work and present it somewhere else you know mm-hmm. I'd, r- I'd rather it be grounded like um in public spaces and in public sort of accessible um yeah galleries and and cultural centers like the oc3 like the lcc like the fort worth community Arts center in fort worth um artes de la rosa which is also a uh space in Fort Worth you know I just love I love um yeah I love the spaces and what they provide and just how how grounded they are to like the community and I think that's something that yeah I don't think I'll you know hopefully won't change
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's talk about that (laughs) we need more money (laughs) I know right um another thing that I want to talk about in this exhibition that I really love because I um, have a thing for photographs that really amplify and make us aware of the everyday. And so in a lot of your photographs, there's not an individual, there's not a person. There's just this space, this quiet mm-hmm. space of the skate park um, or in, or the objects or things happening within it. And there's it's like absent of people. Um, And that to me is something really, I think, important because it, as a viewer, it brings me back to connecting with the space itself and not just with, you know, it being a portrait of someone in a space. So I actually get to feel like I'm maybe transported there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of want you to talk about little bit like why you chose and and a lot of photographers have done this throughout history like you know captured the mundane in very beautiful ways but talk about like you know why you um, chose to um, include those images in this um, series.
3: You know I was doing this project um, for the last two years and you know I think within that time span obviously we had the pandemic happen in 2020 and uh, I started the project like at the uh, tail end or the last few months of 2019, mm-hmm. um, so 2020 was a little bit sort of scarce, right? As far as like yeah. what we could do, where we could go, um, and I think around that time, even though I would still see some some skateboarders there, and you know, at the beginning of 2020, we didn't have the pandemic, so I think I was able to produce a little bit um, around that time. But then whenever it it started to happen, and my frequency going to marine park was was getting you know less and less Mm -hmm. um and so i had to sort of shift and and reframe what i wanted to do with with my work and with marine park and oftentimes um i would go i would just go there alone and skate you know by myself and i think that's when i started to see my lens sort of shift from like taking portraits and taking pictures of of the people there and the skaters there and uh it's shifted into this space of just like what is you know like i want to talk about or i want to sort of um present like my presence here right being alone at the skate park it's kind of a like you said like we keep saying it's serene um yeah. and it's calming too
1: mm-hmm. Which I think is very opposite to what people normally think of when they think skateboard right, culture. Yeah. Like yeah. I just asked not long ago what uh song you would use to I guess describe, you know, yeah. your show and what did you say it was? The name Skate and Destroy by the Faction. <laughs> Y'all should listen to it. it yeah. <laughs> um yeah. And we can exit out the yeah. <laughs> <of it>.
2: punk.
3: <laughs> but um but yeah, you know, and so I started to just capture the details at Marine Park, um with the focus of just like what is my presence? What is my presence here, and what does that mean? You know, and how can I capture that? And so, the lens kind of shifted into like the details, you know, stuff that I find beautiful mm-hmm. um, about Marine Park and and the sort of remnants and and what's left behind there. Like, I think one of my favorite pictures from the series is a a piece of wax that is ha- that's hanging on like a, a fence. Yeah, you know, and I think when you look at that picture, you kind of are trying to figure out like what that is. I yeah um, candy <laughs> right are you talking about the red one yeah, yeah yeah i thought it
1: was a piece of candy at first
3: yeah and it and like if you weren't a skateboarder um you would be you would be asking yourself those questions right but if you are a skateboarder it's like i know exactly what that is like that's no, a piece no, of no. Wax, hold right? up <laughs> I'm,
2: not, I'm not a skateboarder but i knew what it was
3: <laughs> yeah but so you know and i think that's what i mean about like what's left behind and sort of idiosyncrasies of a uh, skate culture like that wax is used to wax the ledges at the park um yeah. and it's like you know at this point you can you can get it anywhere mm-hmm. right wax it doesn't have to be like specifically skate wax you yeah. can you can just go down the street and buy a candle from like the daughter store yeah oh. come back and, and wax yeah. your ledge <laughs> it's no a idea. lot
2: cheaper than buying it at the skate, yeah. stick, so skate store huh see, yeah
0: If you see, like, now that you know, Monica, when you go out or you're driving or you see some skaters, do look at the, like, like, look at the steps or look at the, the edges, (laughs) and you'll see that it looks different than the other parts of the. Be like wax, wax, wax.
2: (laughs) I can always tell whenever I'm somewhere, um, especially in urban, urban spaces, like you can tell and you can look at, you know, some, some concrete steps or some, ra- you know, stair railings and, oh, I can, somebody's been skating that. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Interesting. Okay. I yeah. learned something new today. Yeah. I oh, just think gonna... those quiet
2: photographs are really beautiful too.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah
1: any other tidbits about skateboard that some of us may not know?
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the, the photograph of, uh, Brian doing the hand gesture, um, that's called paper Rochambeau. Mm-hmm. It's like a game that we play. It's pretty much paper, scissors, rock. Um, mm-hmm. and we Sorry, use it rock, paper, scissors. So <laughs>
0: go on. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Raoul. I'm with you.
3: <laughs> go on. <laughs> okay. Rock, paper, scissors, right? Yes. Um, so we play a game called skate which is like pretty much like horse right so mm-hmm. somebody does a trick you try to do that trick and if you don't do it you get an s okay and okay. you just keep going um but rochambeau is like what you play: paper scissor rock to see who goes first
2: oh oh see i did not catch that reference i saw the title and i thought hmm does this mean rochambeau i just think of hamilton
1: sorry yeah (laughs) there's a song in the musical hamilton that says rochambeau so anyway yeah
3: i think i think the history of rochambeau or paper scissor rock or rock paper scissors yes kind of goes kind of goes back huh
2: Yeah. yeah it does so um i'm curious um because you um have studied and because you've been making work for a long time who are some of the um artists or Um, even just photographers who you are following right now, who you're really interested in and why are you interested in them?
3: I think right now, you know, thanks to Instagram, I think I follow a lot of sort of contemporary photographers that are within my range, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as age goes, as far as like um, what they're doing goes too. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to connect with them too. Like we share conversations, we share tips, we just share you know a lot of mutual respect and admiration too um and so right now you know i I can drop like so many names but like william camargo arlene mejorado um fabian guerrero Mm -hmm. just i mean the list kind of goes on and on and yeah i I think i just love how we're all able to connect
0: you know um
3: from different parts of the world
0: Mm -hmm. um and sorry, I'm, I'm, I may have missed part of this, but I'm all over the place today, and I'm sorry. And y'all can tell by the cool little sound effect yeah, from dare earlier. Yeah, um, Aside from being someone who, and, and it's always interesting talking to you because, again, like, you're, you're not a man of many words when it comes to the run-ins I have with you. But when we sit down <laughs> and have conversations, no, for real, because you it's like, we'll in, be out and, and about. And it sounds bad. Yeah, I'll see you at all <laughs> kinds of places, right? And then it's just like, oh, cool, what's up? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, it's been good. I've been doing this. And, you know, it's usually, like, quick exchanges like <laughs> right, that. Right, yeah. But when we sit there and have conversations and we really get into some some things to talk about, it's always mm-hmm. interesting because I'm like, man, Raul has, like, a lot to say, even though he might not say a lot in these <laughs> small exchanges, right? Right. But aside from the work that you've done with your photography and, and just culturally um, between Fort Worth and people that you work with, um, have you talked about, like, what you do in terms of the connections and the platform that you have provided for some of the other people that you work with.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've mentioned it before. I think for some reason, I feel like it's its own thing now. It really is.
0: Know? Honestly. Cause when I get your emails, I'm like, Oh, Raul. And I'm like, wait, it's still Raul, right? It didn't like blow up and change hands to someone. Right, yeah. ah. But then I, <laughs> I, I go through and I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. You can definitely still see like Raul's integrity behind, you know, this platform or this project. Wow. That's, that makes me feel really, really good. Talk about,
2: talk about curating a little bit. Cause then, uh, you know, I, I wear those two hats as well and mm-hmm. it's fun. So talk about that a little bit.
3: Yeah, for sure. You know, and Rafael is talking about a project that I have called deep red press. I
2: was going to ask you about
1: that. You stole my question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But... Sorry.
3: Which is pretty much like an <laughs> online platform where um, I feature, I interview, I have conversations with photographers across Texas um and it's something that i started right after i graduated from UNT i think i just wanted to start something you know cuz nothing is nothing is given to you no you have to take the <laughs> way all the yes. way he
1: just said it in yeah. his eyes
3: yeah <laughs> nothing's given to you so i mean you know you have to start things yourself i think that's a just you know if you if as an artist you're not starting things yourself like nobody's going to find you like nobody's going to discover you i think that tr- yeah. i think that that description of like being an artist is like waiting to be discovered is just so outdated um you know it's just not true at all mm-hmm. so i think we have the tools that are at our disposal to do things you know to start things and to start projects yeah um and just to just to make an impact and, and do the things that you want to do um when it comes to art and stuff so i started this platform a few years ago and ever since then it's kind of grown and grown and evolved um, I actually started on Instagram, and I was sharing that I was like um, trading off the handle to people, like just share images on Instagram, talk, you know, put a caption down there. Oh, like takeovers? Yeah, exactly, like okay. takeovers. And then I moved on to Tumblr. <laughs> Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, that free service, you know, like.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, rest in peace, wherever you are. Maybe <laughs> it's, <out> <laughs> it's,
2: it's still going. I
3: yeah, still it's still every going, now right?
1: and
2: then I'll hop on there, and i be like, oh, okay, it's alive. <laughs> It's great as a platform if you can't afford a website.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was running in, into the issue of just like, I want the images to kind of like take over this. Mm-hmm. And Tumblr was, wasn't lending itself to that, you know. like yeah. it, it just compresses things so much. Obviously, yeah. it's free, so yeah. that may be a reason why. But then I just kind of like, I think I was so dedicated to it that I just moved it onto like a, a website, you know, that I could yeah. control and, you know, kind of just like actually actually work at and uh create create everything that I want on it so I think after that you know it just kind of continued to to snowball and and obviously I think it it, you know Rafael um mentioned it Monica like it's cool that it's just kind of like people know about it as like this this thing you know
1: so um if someone's interested in kind of like you know hitting you up and saying hey like I'm a photographer I would love to like where can they reach you
3: at? We have a submission form on, um, on the website. So just deep red com, and, uh, somewhere on those pages, there's like a submission form where people can, can submit their proposals to be featured or interviewed, yeah. you know, share work and show, okay. show work. And, and that's how I've been, been able to, um, to do it. But then also a lot of it is groundwork for me too. Like I'm always having conversations with photographers across Texas, across, across the, you know, across the country and, like, in Mexico, like, and, you know, I think I owe that all of that to, like, Instagram just because it's so easy to hit mm-hmm. to hit yeah. somebody up right away, you you're know. You're
1: busy. Like, <laughs> how do you do all of this and, you know, just with your time, how do you manage your time to make sure you, you know, do your photography, do the deep red press, make sure you're still having conversations with artists? How do you organize
3: I, I mean, I think I, I wasn't always like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think just, um, just as like kind of, as, as kind of getting older, like I just wanted to sort of just play a, play a good role, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always like, well, how come, how come you can't get your <laughs> together? <laughs> yeah. Like I just get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. I think I just like, um. I've gotten really good at just like uh, I don't know chipping away at it I always I yeah. you know I think that's just how I work too like I don't I don't I don't leave it to like the last minute yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so every day I like do something even if it's like like if honestly I dread it to be honest like I hate reading long emails oh. and I hate responding to them but I'll, I'll read them and then I'll just like at least just like hit reply but then just save it as empty yeah. oh and just God. save the draft
2: Yeah. so <laughs> hear that short short emails yes. to the point <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you can put it in bullet points
3: just yes yeah. and it's hard but you have to do it right like you have to respond and you have to continue to, to yeah. <clears throat> just be responsive um so i think every day i just i just like i don't know if there's like a, a technique to it but just like small small chips at
0: like at something yeah you know. i'm glad you said that because um i still have my feelings hurt from an email that you didn't reply to in 2018 <laughs> so thank you for <laughs> now you know why I'm, kidding. I'm just kidding.
1: release it into the into the world let it go
3: yeah no it, it i think it's just it's just work honestly i don't feel busy like maybe that's yeah. maybe that's mm-hmm. another another reason why it looks like i'm doing so much yeah. or something right
2: interesting I'm curious I I kind of was listening to you talk about curating and and being an artist and thinking about you know um you know what I think about that um myself and um I was thinking about you know when you get out of school they always you know professors always say well you're not going to have your critique group anymore so you're going to have to you know have a community that, you know, looks at your work and, you know, whatever. And I think in a way like curating is that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're connecting with other artists through the curatorial process and that's like your, your community, right? In a way.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, always exchanging sort of, um, you know, notes and information and sharing work and stuff. I think it's important to just keep that going. Um, and it might not look the same, right? Like at at in school or in college, it mm-hmm. looks like a classroom full of people, yeah, sharing work, you know, tacking it onto the wall and stuff. Yeah. I think um, outside of that, it may look different. It might maybe an email, a long yeah. email, <laughs> or maybe you know just just um, checking in yeah. with yeah. with uh, colleagues and and creating more colleagues, right? Like, yeah outside of outside of who you went to school with like there's a bigger world too um
1: how do you receive critiques like how because i think we all as we get older we get more stuck in our ways and and, you know what's how what's a good way of kind of just going into that space and saying oh this is where i can get better how do you look at that
3: i think um i think i would ask for advice from some trusted like Mm -hmm. you know colleagues and friends and stuff and I think that's where I would take advice you know from and obviously like I wouldn't you know like if if there's something that I felt like I could work on and somebody who I didn't know suggested something like I wouldn't brush them off or anything but there's like I think I have a trusted selected group of people that that I go to for for advice you know Mm -hmm. and I think maybe that's a maybe that's a way to um continue to focus on getting better and and right like get get the feedback from people that you want Mm -hmm. you know and school is different because you're you're in class with a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. um and you know i think it's exactly what it what it looks like like the feeling is is exactly what it looks like it just kind of feels like kind of like a high school classroom or something you -hmm. know i mean college is is different i think the conversations are different but It's like just being in a room with with other people from different perspectives. Um,
1: Do you think that the skate culture has kind of in any way influenced how you look at that? Because we were talking about how skate culture is very, you know, um, tight-knit and just like very supportive. Do you think mm -hmm. it ever influenced or had that little bit of a crossover in any way?
3: Probably. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah, I just think... um, Maybe I'm used to, you know what? I, I didn't really like school in high school, and that's why I did skate. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really good at it. I, yeah. I passed, you know, I yeah. I graduated top 10, like, in high school, so that was good. Nice. But um, I think I just wanted something else, and skateboarding yeah. to me was that outlet, you know, outside of school. It made me feel different. It's very, you know? cre-
2: I think it's a very creative, you know not a sport y'all it's a culture <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's a creative outlet you mm-hmm. know yeah. um yeah because of all the different things you can do with a skateboard
3: mhm i think that so that sounds yeah. weird <laughs> 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 no and i think um you just meet a different group of people too mm-hmm. you know yeah cuz in school it's like it's what it is right like we're we're all trying to just get through it have some fun right mhm but outside yeah. like skateboarding brought together a different group of people um you know maybe the kind of like l- a lost person or something right like mm-hmm. kind of an outcast or whatever um somebody who may not may not find everything that they want from like the high school course or like the school kind mm-hmm. of curriculum mm-hmm. and that those directions I think skateboarding was good at bringing people in who needed something different or something yeah. more you know and
1: when- you
2: sorry you get to break a lot of rules in skateboarding oh
3: yeah i was gonna
1: say when you talk about skateboarding, the way you're talking about it it reminds me of how people talk about art when they say you know i didn't love school in in certain aspects and art was my outlet Mm -hmm. so i i hear you talk about skateboarding and i think it sounds very much like that was my artistic outlet in a way as well Mm -hmm. um yeah would you say um or i guess you started doing skateboarding before photography right yeah yeah what... it was
3: around the same time like high school age you know
4: mm-hmm.
1: oh okay um how do you i think a lot of people you know explore different avenues of art how do you how did you decide to zone in or you know hone in on photography what took you that route
3: i think um in high school i took a photography course and we had these little you know point and shoot cameras mm-hmm. and stuff and i think one time or like the, f- the first session or whatever that we had when I brought my pictures back to school my teacher told me that I was really good at it and that really encouraged me so that was kind of like the springboard um, to like keep going and, and you know I think after that I think encouragement is good in that way yeah. right where it's like it can really help you figure out what you're good at and what you can what you can do with your life kind of Right. So I, I know in high school was such a rough kind of like a era for me. Mm-hmm. There was like so many things going on at home, at school, personally. Right. Like you're growing. You're like yeah. A, yeah. a teen that's just like turning into an adult. <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> Trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. All those hormones and just yeah. like emotions. That liminal space.
2: Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I think um, when my teacher told me that I was good at something, like I needed to hear that at that time yeah absolutely did
1: you ever have a point where you were like oh maybe this is not for me and how did you overcome that
3: i think there was a few a few moments where but it it comes with like everything else that's happening in life too you know where you're just like yeah maybe maybe i should just work or just Mm -hmm. do something else right get get something different or focus on something different but um i think all those moments were like encouragement kind of came back into the picture from other people and from just from myself too and that that just kind of really helped me kind of uh hone in on it um Mm -hmm. but I think I was a very like I didn't really experiment with other mediums besides like the curriculum that I had to do in school and at UNT Mm -hmm. um I think from the beginning it might be very narrow narrow narrow-minded of me but like photography was the only thing that i wanted to do yeah some you people know? are
1: that way like super yeah. super focused mm-hmm. yeah. it's like
3: you find i found it from the beginning you know
2: what mm. was your first camera
3: uh that camera at school was like a small point and shoot i think it was like a little canon mm-hmm. and i think i might have gotten like a few years later like a similar kind of point and shoot canon mm-hmm. but my first dslr with a Ni- was a uh nikon d60 mm-hmm You know. I love Nikon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I started researching the differences between Nikon and Canon, I got into this whole world of like I had no idea
2: Mm -hmm. that it was this intense. It's a whole thing. Yeah,
3: right. I'm I don't think I'm like that either. Like I still
2: I still have my Nikon analog. I still have my Nikon film camera from undergrad. I love that camera. It is so good. (laughs) Olympus is a really good brand too. Um but, yeah, those are harder to find, mm. know, I think.
1: Well, I think we're kind of nearing the end. I don't know um, if anybody has, like, a last question to ask.
0: Do you have any questions, Rafa? Skate I questions? S- I have so many. <laughs> well, you get so one. So many. No. <laughs> I, I, I always ask people if they can do an impossible, but I feel like that's a dated trick mm. um, because I remember being young and being fascinated with trying to do that. And um, I remember my brother had tried to learn it and land it and um on the impossible you get the one and you kind of have to flip the whole bird yeah the whole board bird yeah but he he was flipping the bird because like you know when it gets caught right there and you land right on it yeah. when it's upward um but i always ask and i've only met like a handful of people that i know that can do that um mm-hmm. can you do an impossible can you land an impossible place? no i can't no you you're should. supposed I to can't. say yes Yeah, you <laughs> said it's impossible that's why it's called <laughs> an impossible
3: No, oh. but i could probably fake one i could probably fake like a 360 shove and then just keep my foot kind of around it <laughs> ah, okay,
0: there, if i'm at the right angle i'm like oh my god he did it yeah <laughs>
2: okay so i do have one last question so when is the series on uh skateboarders
3: i i'm glad you asked that question i actually was expecting that um because i I thought about that too you know um the truth is like uh yeah it's skateboarding is such a still so such a male dominated sport but i think we're starting to see changes um and this is only like it's been it's been it always changes gradually but then you see a kind of an exponential change and i think right now that's happening um unfortunately like around the time that I was doing uh, my work I didn't run into any any skateboarder girls um, and I didn't want to although I did kind of try um, I didn't want to like invite um, specifically like a skateboarder girl to to be part of the of the series because I thought that was gonna be a little bit disingenuous yeah. to do mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah. um, I wanted it to be kind of organic yeah um, but after I sort of Finished this sort of section of the work, and uh, presented it and stuff. I started seeing more of those relationships happen. Um, so I think I think in the future we will see like, you know, a little bit more diversity within my work and and yeah. something that happens a little bit more like at the at the pace that I would like it to, just kind of organic, you know. Because I don't want to
1: reflect wanna... the actual culture going on, right?
3: Yeah, now. that yeah. reflects also like my process too. Yeah. You know, um, but I can totally tell you of like some of some other great photographers who are making work about how queer communities and women and women of color are sort of impacting skateboarding right now um yeah
2: tell us who those are so that people listening to the podcast can look them up
3: yeah for sure cool i think uh lana apisco right now Mm -hmm. is in new york sort of documenting the sort of just like the explosion of of women skateboarders Mm -hmm. um and her images are amazing like i i she's kind of an inspiration to 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 me and and how i approach skate photography right if you will um and there's another photographer ross landenberg or maybe landenberger Mm -hmm. who's also sort of documenting the footprint of like his own um community and um you know um relationship with uh like queer skateboarders who are also just 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 skating you know yeah. yeah and that's what i love to see just like just the way that skateboarding doesn't have you know even though right in media and stuff it can it can sort of like look like it was dominated by like suburban white kids for a long time yeah. and then mm-hmm. but media is going to do that it's always going to sh- shift how we see things yeah but like i think a skateboard in and of itself doesn't have those specific like directions you know a skateboard doesn't, like, come out of the bag and, like, just go for, like, the white skateboard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you're talking about the whole making sure you're not disingenuous. Um, because, like, with your work, I can tell it's reflective of your personal experience. But also understanding the need for, like, actually going outside of what the media will feed you. Because, like, I know growing up, it was like... We like we weren't supposed to be a part of that skate culture, right? It was like the CKY who ended up, you know, now it's like you think of Johnny Knoxville and he's like a superstar. But all the old CKY videos, it was like these dudes just being like crazy and dumb. But it was like it was men. And then, you know, I think recently like there's a show on HBO. I don't know what it's called, but it it came out maybe a year or two ago. And I thought it was pretty cool because it documented um, some of the skate culture but it, it featured primarily uh, young women and it was yeah. up up on the East Coast. But like, I also know when, um, and she just went, it's like, I think her name's Rasa or Rissa, but the skate fairy, she was trying to land that yeah. trick in the tutu. And like, you see her just like trying and trying and she finally lands it. But like, I think when people saw that, they were like, oh, wow, uh, a little girl in a tutu can land a trick. And so there was that fascination with it, but it did highlight it. So you saw the like those rings those ripple effects go out and be like look this isn't just a a a sport where like the young white punk rocker kids mm-hmm. are involved this is so much more than that it's global
3: yeah yeah for sure and it, we've had that conversation before where uh you know this is what what was told to us whenever we were like little brown kids with skateboarders but mm-hmm. I think I heard it you know a few times but like like maybe from other friends or friends' friends who were just like, why are you doing that white boy shit, you know? Yeah. And it was was like, even in our community, it was like attributed to that. Yeah. So to us, we we felt out of place too, you know, like within our own community. It's like, what? They're telling us this.
1: Oh, see, for me, I always thought like people would say like, oh, that's like some like bad stuff to do. Like if you're out skateboarding and with that crowd, like
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're being
0: a bad kid. Yeah. Yeah, that too
1: skateboarders get a bad rap yeah
0: mm-hmm. skateboarding yeah. is not a crime it's not a crime
2: <laughs> and we should definitely have a skate park in the city of dallas yeah. we yeah, don't have sure. one a need. public skate park need like with a bowl and everything
3: i think they're breaking ground on that pretty soon <gasps> yeah they
0: had a conversation about it they had a town hall like a month or so ago i'm yeah. super
2: excited yeah it was pretty cool i don't skate but i support it fully
3: yeah for sure i yeah I think I can go on and on about skateboarding too, um, and and it's funny that you bring up the skate park conversation because I think um, this is sort of an underlying theme that I, that I started to sort of reveal to myself about um, Marine Park, the park that I would go to and document. But it's like a it's like an old tennis court, you know, mm-hmm. with like prefabricated. Um, parts to it that make up a little skate park and mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's like in this neighborhood that i grew up in a very poor neighborhood called Northside, and i think you see that you see that a lot in like uh lower income neighborhoods where yeah. whenever it's like oh we have a skate park now and then you go to it and it's just like a small slab it's you not know? what you envisioned <laughs> yeah exactly way less yeah and you go to these other areas like roanoke and frisco yes allen and yeah. they have these amazing skate parks you know that can that can really, like, help um, help kids and help skateboarders, like, improve and, and, and get skillful and stuff.
2: Yeah, and it's a place to, like, build community, right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, and... We need I th- that. I think what I ended up liking... Well, not ended up liking, but I think one of the things I say about Marine Park 2 is, um, and it's not something that I wish people walk away with um, feeling like, oh, well, they have enough, you know? Like, oh, this is beautiful that he made this this photo series about the skate park and the skateboarders um that have enough Mm -hmm. like no that's Mm -hmm. not what i want people to get you know
1: yeah you're capturing just a little piece of it exactly yeah Yeah.
0: i feel like we could have a really long elaborate fruitful conversation with some of the things that we're we're kind of starting to dig up Yeah. yeah here's
1: here's my last question i recently learned that vans are not skate shoes Terrible skate you want wear what what would they're you cool wear shoes, yeah what shoes. would you wear to skate or what did you see when you were photographing and i was oh, like oh, you <laughs> you're
3: wearing- no Dad. you're not gonna you're not gonna yeah. like this air answer walks. he's got airwalks on no you're not gonna yeah. like it but i wear nikes to skate um i think i was just okay
0: eight. sorry go ahead go <laughs> ahead no yeah let's talk about
3: like don't wind- interrupt
0: i know i'm wow. sorry go ahead but i have a question on that
3: i mean i'm I think i just found like the shoes that i think worked for me yeah you know and it's these like high top nikes i'm always rolling my ankles which sucks so i can't wear like the janowskis that are like low i, love I rolled my ankle and that's
1: okay so everyone i just recently started learning how to skateboard and um <laughs> i fell off the skateboard and it was because i rolled my ankle
0: oh my god and it's the worst pain in the world the funny so I'm, i i got excited when you said nikes because okay so my brother hated nike Never gonna wear a pair of Nikes in my life, but then and I feel that, yeah. And so, but then Nike dropped, started dropping the SBs, right? Yeah, and then it was like, okay, the fact that Nike was so successful in having like being this huge corporation, they were smart enough to realize, man, we got to invest in money in this. And to be honest, like, even if you don't skate, some of the Nike SBs now, like, I got, I'm gonna change into some SBs wow because they're super comfortable and they're sturdy and yeah like you know if i even if i wear the vans like here at work i'm like oh man if i wear them for more than four or five hours my like the arch of my (laughs) foot or my heel but if i got some sbs on some nikes like they they definitely put the money into making sure that they gave you the comfort um but like it's it's funny because there is this idea of damn it's nike right yeah and no, this like is
1: some... so deep i did not know it was yeah. this deep no
0: it is it's... yeah it's a, it's a big world skateboarding <laughs> world yeah so
3: many conversations too you know about the corporatization of skateboarding yeah i mean and obviously nike is like one of the biggest conglomerates of it yeah. right yeah. just like and so yeah you might you get views of just like yeah i'll never wear nike's like you know they just like it doesn't support the local culture or anything like that mm-hmm. but i'll let you know before I started skating Nike's, I was skating Lakai's and uh mm-hmm. S's, which are like skater owned yeah. brands, you know. Yeah.
2: I'm wearing Vans right
3: now. <laughs> I'm just trying to save save face a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I you
2: I start love all the OG brands. <laughs> like
0: nah, yeah man, yeah. That's Takes why I out like, his long destroy, list. <laughs> yeah.
1: Check yeah. check check. Name that.
0: So,
2: um for y'all that are not um familiar with Raul's work, um he has a really great website that features some of the other series, photographic series he's um, worked on, and they're all really wonderful. And so I just want to say this is a great exhibition. It's really good work. Y'all need to come see it. Go to his website. Follow him on Instagram, and we look forward to seeing your next series.
3: Oh, thanks so much. Yeah,
2: drop those handles. Where do we follow you at?
3: Uh, my Instagram is uh, Frito. Oh, yeah. The
1: can best Instagram that handle. That's, <laughs> really that's cool. a really cool one, yeah.
3: W-I-T-O-F-R-I-T-O.
1: And y'all can see it on ours. We, we tagged him in a
0: few, so. <laughs> yeah. And your website?
3: Website is RaulRodriguezPhoto.com. Cool. And, you know, DeepRedPress.com is the uh, platform that I, I'm the editor for.
2: Yeah, so send y'all's work in. Short emails.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet cool well yeah i think if there are no other parting words i think we're coming to an end anybody got any any last last few messages that they'd like to
1: i would defer to raul any yeah. last words
3: mm, you know thank you guys for having me guys and gals for having me um yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of the oc3 and you know stuff like this i'm always intrigued because it's like damn now i want to now i want to hear this like um later you know yeah <laughs> anytime any anytime, anytime like There's just cool podcasts are like so cool now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's an artist talk that if we had had here, maybe there was a few people in Fort Worth that were wanting to come and couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, you know, Monica was behind making these kinds of conversations accessible. So, because it's so easy now with technology, um, one of your quote—I um, wrote it down as a quote—is like technology is like our god. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the flip side is it, it makes things so easy to produce and to to share mm-hmm. and to really create a sense of community. Um, while I have my, you know, reservations about hyperconnectivity, I think it's also right. like a really good tool if used correctly to exactly. bring people together. So, um, yeah. thank you. You know, thank you for sharing your work with us. With the community with just, you know, so many other people. Um, I think, you know, the spirit of your work is is uh, seen in a lot of the stuff that we do. So it's always nice to kind of have a conversation with uh, with people like you. So thank you for coming out. Y'all heard those yeah, handles, you. the websites. Um, make sure you find and follow them. Um, we, if you are listening to this and it's not October 2nd yet, you can sign up because Raul and... Fort Worth artist Sarah Ayala will be having a workshop here um, lettering a skate deck and putting grip tape and kind of learning a little bit about um, Raul's process and then talking to a, another cool artist that we've worked with in the past, Sarah Ayala. Um, so yeah, you can find registration for that online. Just type in Oak Cliff Cultural Center and then yep. look up the hand lettering and grip tape workshop. But um, that's going to be...
1: Sorry, I will say they there has been a ton of people asking about it. So... Make sure to look it up because it will fill up fast.
0: Yeah. So, um, and if it fills up, it fills up. Um, We might be able to work something later on, but we can't make any guarantees because we are busy and so is Mm -hmm. Raul and so (laughs) is Sarah. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. This was OC3's Frequencies podcast. You can find it everywhere that you find your podcasts, um, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Um, Make sure you find and follow us at Oak Cliff Cultural Center or Twitter at Oak Cliff Culture. Go to our website at OCC.DallasCulture.org. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter. Reach out to us if there's something that you think we should be doing, something that you would like to see here, something that you think we should highlight or work on. We're always open to hearing what the community has to say. But on that note, we are closing out this podcast. Again, thank you, Raul. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Iris. OC3 checking out.
2: Adios. Bye-bye.
0: Peace.